In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Earlier this week, I was privileged to be able to go out to Tinker Air Base and observe a change of command ceremony. Although I did not serve in the military, I've always appreciated those men and women who give of themselves for their nation. One of the most remarkable things about that service and really about the daily functioning of the military is the careful observance of the chain of command. Orders that are given are expected to be followed and followed in a particular way. In a culture that is like ours, which isn't a monarchy, the observance of command in the military is perhaps the closest model we have for the type of relationship that exists between a lord and his subjects. That is, of course, the type of language that we use in the Christian faith, regularly confessing God the Father as being sovereign and confessing Jesus Christ to be our Lord. The orders and commands clearly given to us by God in Scripture should guide our lives. And in our gospel passage today, we hear of Jesus giving his disciples what he calls a new commandment, to love one another. I want us to look a little more closely at that passage and talk about what makes this commandment new and what Jesus says about the effects of living in such a way upon the world. As our gospel passage begins, we find ourselves back in the upper room, back on the night when Jesus will be betrayed. The disciples' feet have been washed. Holy Communion and the Lord's Supper have been instituted by Christ. And Judas, not Elvis, has just left the building. He's left, of course, to do his work of betraying Jesus to the scribes and the Pharisees. And as Jesus tells his disciples, his glorification by the Father, and how the Father has been glorified in Jesus' life and ministry, are effectively completed. All that remains is for this glory to be made fully evident on this side of Easter in the cross and the resurrection. It is within this context that Jesus tells his disciples that he has a new commandment for them, to love one another. Now, if that doesn't strike you as sounding very new, I'm not surprised. Every week at the beginning of our liturgy, we remind ourselves that we are called to love our neighbor as ourself. A commandment from Leviticus 19, way back in the Old Testament. And that language is even how Jesus himself summarized part of the law. To love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. So what makes this new in any sense? Let's look at the full text. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. The command to love one another is given twice, and like a good sandwich, the meat of it is right there in the middle, with the phrase, as I have loved you. The standard has been changed for how we are to love one another. We are no longer left to some subjective assessment of how well I do or don't love myself as a basis for loving our neighbor. 
Rather, Jesus himself has now provided and set the standard of love. The love he shows for the disciples and for the entirety of the world has been on full display throughout his ministry. And less than 24 hours after giving this command, Jesus will give of his entire life on the cross. In commenting on this passage, St. Augustine notes that our Christian love for one another should have as its goal that all sufficiency should be theirs. Every desire filled and satisfied with good things. Within the Christian community, everyone should have everything that they need. We should have everything to be sufficient. Augustine continues, Let each of us so love the other in a way that by this working of love we make each other the dwelling place of God that our love for one another should help each of us more and more to be an embodiment of Jesus. This love is self-sacrificing at its core. Another church father, Cyril of Alexandria, put it this way. Christ commands us to love as he did, putting neither reputation or wealth or anything else before our love of our brothers and sisters. The salvation of others mattered more than their own lives. End quote. How concerned are we that our fellow Christians have what it needs and what they need to be sufficient? And how concerned are we for the salvation of the world? These are high and lofty, lofty goals of which we frequently fall short. Thankfully, there is abundant grace. And although this goal is challenging, the goal and ideal of living such a grandiose life of love is attainable. It's attainable to us because through the, our baptism we've received God's gift of the Holy Spirit. And not only that gift, but the gift of the church, of each other, who promise to help ourselves and each other to live out that life of faith with God's help. And to what end? As Jesus continues, he will tell his disciples that such a love would enable all men to be everyone in the world to know that we are followers and disciples of Jesus, thus implying that our faith journey as Christians was never intended to be purely private, but rather that our love for God and for one another should be markedly public and visible to all those around us, that they would not question our faith or our religion, they would know it. This is relationship evangelism in its purest form, that our lives would have such a sweet savor of self-giving love that the world around us cannot help but to see it, to smell it, and to know without a doubt what it is, leaving them to say, there is another Christ follower. The church father, John Chrysostom, goes so far to say this, Miracles do not attract unbelievers as much as the way you live your life. Hear that again. Miracles do not attract unbelievers as much as the way you live your life. And he continues, nothing brings about a proper life as much as love. So how do we do this? How do we love one another in such a grandiose way? 
There's no one way to do it. But certainly this command should factor into all areas of our life. We often speak of stewardship in terms of time and talents and treasures, using what God has given us to help others. Maybe you need to give more time for your fellow Christians, serving in some ministry of the church, perhaps helping to take part of your Sunday morning to help teach our children in Sunday school. Perhaps you have talents, skills, or experience that you could lend to a brother or sister in need. Perhaps you've gone through a particular encounter and could walk beside a brother or sister as they endure something you have previously endured. Maybe you need to consider choosing intentional community with other Christians in a small group or discipleship group, learning alongside and encouraging one another with what it actually means to live out this faith day by day. Of course, the church is always trying to help provide for the financial needs of its people to make sure they have what they need for, to be sufficient. Contrary to the old bumper sticker, God is not our co-pilot. Rather, he is the one that gives the commands. And who has shown through his own example in Jesus what it means to live such a life. Our responsibility as followers is to obey those commands as we are best able. So may God give us both the desire and the ability to do so. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.